Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hi, and welcome to the Dr. Pat Show, uh, Talk Stream Main, Main Radio. This is Dawn Stansfield. Dr. Pat's not going to be with us tonight. Uh, she's been delayed in, in the East Coast. So I am a guest host uh, for the Dr. Pat team, and my name is Dawn Marie, and I uh, host a show called It's a New Day. And I have a very, very special guest with us tonight that I'm actually really, um, really quite excited about. Uh, this guest is, is, this is going to be an unusual topic that we're going to be talking about tonight, but one that I feel very strongly about that I don't feel, uh, we're actually educated enough on. And, um, so I want to bring on my very special guest, but I want to talk to you about her just a little bit. My special guest for the Dr. Pat show tonight is Marilyn Strong. And Marilyn Strong is a certified death midwife and a home funeral guide. Marilyn holds a B.A. in religion and adult education and an M.A. in spirituality and culture. She, For the past 11 years, Marilyn has worked closely with clients to create customized sacred ritual and ceremonial to fit their personal needs. She does weddings. She does memorial services, rites of passages. She is a certified dead, death midwife and also provides advanced planning seminars coaching and education about natural death care and services to family as a home funeral guide. Now, a lot of us might not know what that is, so we're going to have Marilyn come on and talk with us about this tonight, and I'm, I'm actually have several questions for her myself because this is something that all of us face in our lives. This is something that all of us go through in our lives, and it's something that I didn't even know existed until today. So... Uh, this service, I think, is is a service that is going to bring a lot of people a lot of care and nurturing. So I'd like to welcome Marilyn Strong on Marilyn. Yes. Are Marilyn, you there? I'm here. Thank you very much. Hi, for Marilyn. That thank you. To Hi, the, welcome to the Dr. Pat team. Thank you. Thanks for thanks to Dr. Pat for having me on, and I'm sorry that she couldn't make it, but I'm very pleased to be talking with you. Well, I'm pleased to be talking with you as well. I've, I've been, I've been uh, doing a little research on you this afternoon, and um, I want to talk to you about several things, and I'm not quite sure where to start. Uh, so I want to talk to you. I want to, I want to talk to you personally because this is this is a rather sensitive and and also very educational uh, program that we're going to be providing tonight. And so mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about you because you're really there's really a lot to you. You 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 have a fabulous website which I'm going to give out right off the bat, uh, handsofalchemy.com. So uh, for our listeners who are listening, uh, I'm going to encourage you to uh, go to this website. One, you're going to see a beautiful picture of Marilyn, uh, but also you're going to see the numerous things that she does. You also have a CD out, Songs for Sophia. And yeah. I basically, after reading your bio, I would have to call you truly a high priestess. <laughs> well, thank you. 
Um, you yeah, call yourself a ceremonialist, which I absolutely yes. love. Yes, that's uh, really so, my, the the thing I love to do most is to be in that ceremonial kind of space and hold and create and be hold the container for sacred space. And that's really a lot of why I'm drawn to the work of Death Midwifery because it's very similar. So you call Death Midwif- Midwifery. Mm-hmm which is part of a ceremony where you actually help people going through their death process along with providing the memorial service afterwards. And there's a lot to this. So let's, let's take it because you don't just do this. You also provide weddings and, and actually uh, a numerous spiritual ceremonies. So you really are a ceremonialist. Well, yes, I think that is the heart of what I do, but I, I bring that to in many different venues. Um, my background is in, um, as you said, adult education, but mostly spiritually oriented adult education. I used to be on staff at the Chinook Learning Center here on Whidbey Island. Um, it's mm-hmm. now called the Whidbey Institute, for those of you who know who the south end of Whidbey Island. I live right next door. I got involved there really early on um, as a college student, actually, and sort of grew up there. Um, But I had the opportunity to work for many years creating and facilitating adult um, programs, um, both residential and non-residential. And as part of that, um, we had wonderful um, guest presenters in residence and and also those that we brought in just for the evening, um, public events. And the thing that I was most drawn to, I think, is that were the ceremonialists, the people who, who taught me about ritual and ceremony. That seemed to be um, what I was most drawn to. And so as I uh, transitioned out of that position as the Chinook Learning Center um, transitioned itself and I was no longer on staff, I wanted to keep wor- doing that kind of work with people um, doing spiritually based education, but also um, creating rituals um, that were um, that facilitate people's healing and help them through transitions, that sort of thing. And so, uh, a woman who I worked with at Chinook, Rini Hope, and I created the Gaia Spirit Rising program, and it was a nine month long program that ran for eight years in the Seattle area. And uh, and and the Gaia we- provided. What for people? Well, it was taking them through a nine-month-long pro- process. I mean, intentionally nine months in a way. You know, that sort of birthing, birthing a new part of themselves. Um, the subtitle of it was called "Healing Ourselves, Healing the Earth," and it really was bringing a group of women together who wanted to explore the goddess. Um, it was really at that time, 1989, when the wave, the crest of the wave of the goddess. Um, sort of movement was happening and yeah but, she was entering that, in a big way wasn't she <laughs> yeah and, and that, that, that whole goddess was, movement absolutely what that meant the, the um, Gaia did, in in through the spiritual and because if I if I understand right this is a program that mm-hmm. actually takes you through your own living death at the time did it not I mean you kind of go through a death and well, rebirth process through this whole program well the first um, the first three months of the program, we focused on a particular curriculum, which was um, working with a book called Descent to the Goddess, um, 
and it was written by uh, a Jungian analyst, but it was working with an ancient Sumerian myth, the myth of Inanna, who goes to the underworld to connect with, reconnect with her dark sister, Erish Kegel. And because that was the main content of that quarter, we, we focused, we read the book together, we discussed it intellectually, we did art projects, creative projects around it, and really in preparation for um, a three-day-long ritual where we did a ritual reenactment of the descent to the underworld. And so it was working with the um, metaphorical death process in a sense, which I think mm-hmm. many of us experience in our lives, you know, whether it's through a divorce or loss of a job or whatever it is, I think many of us have, have experienced had to go through that kind of loss of an aspect of our identity. And this myth was particularly wonderful for women because it was a myth that predated Christianity by 2,000 years. It came out of ancient Samaria. I think it was really one of the first written um, documents ever, you know, that came out of that part of the world. Um, it was written on clay tablets, so it's it's very ancient. But it was um, created at a, written at a time when the great goddess had already been split between you know above the world and below. And okay, let's this, explain that to the listeners because they might not understand that terminology. Sure. So when you well, say split, well, a split in um, I think as I was talking about Gaia, I was I was just going to say that. What what healing ourselves, healing the earth is about in this time, I think, is reconnecting with our bodies, reconnecting with the earth, um, mm-hmm. that there has been a split in the last 2,000 years of us, um, Western civilization, getting away from the body, away from earth, and, you know, being in our heads and being caught up in the mental realms. And so we have, that has enabled us to really um, treat the earth as an object to be consumed and we really have been treating our bodies in the same way we sort of live you know out of our bodies and and we suffer because of that i think we, we most certainly do <laughs> so I think and, 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 even... and i see it every day and, and it's something yeah. i even have to graciously remind myself of don where are you are you in your head or are you in your heart <laughs> right well, me too. And, and we're so programmed, Marilyn, um, even by society that we, you know, to, to, to kind of get into the head space that we forgot, we forget to get into the heart-centered space at times. So yes. the Gaia, you're, what I'm hearing is, is it was a program to help to remind us how to get there and get back into our creative uh, self, our true yes. soul self. And, right, and it provided, um, we would bring... We would meet in Seattle once a week, and then we would bring the gals out um, once a, a month to with the island where we would give them an experience here on the land. I'm, I live right adjacent to the Woodby Institute, so there's about 100, 120 acres of, of wooded property that's protected from development, and it's really lovely. Yeah, I want to talk land. about the tower in a little bit. <laughs> I loved it. And it would, so from there... Mm-hmm. Well, how did you get into doing death midwifery? Well, um, how did that? How did, I know you talk about your friend Sarah, and I know Sarah. Um, I'm going to bring her up gently because you 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 write a beautiful, beautiful story on your website uh, about Sarah and about the sacredness of your your friendship, your journey together, um, even you know your your death of of. Um, 
relationship failures that, between your husbands. I mean, it's really so. I want I want to talk about that hmm. because you were called in this whole story. I mean, you even talk. Marilyn, you talk even about when you were a little girl and you you started understanding death in a very fearful way. And yes, here you well, are today helping others. <laughs> so you've conquered your fear. Right. Well, it, I think it's Starhawk who said, you know, where there's fear, there's power. And if we can right. change our fears, <laughs> I think we can get through that. So I guess this is a story uh, along those lines. Um the article that you're referring to is called uh, Bringing Death Back Home, and it really is um, its a story of, of my initiation into experiencing my first human death, and it happens to be, it happens to have been one of our first Gaia program um, uh, women, first year of Gaia, which um, was, I think I met Sarah in 1989. And um, using now the myth of the Nana, we not only used in our program, but prior to that, I had used it. It's been a very important myth in my own life. So um, I had, because I'd gone through my own um, metaphoric death through my husband leaving me, going through a divorce and, and losing a marriage that I valued. Um, this myth came in very handy, <laughs> helping me through that. But even prior to that, mm-hmm. I used it as a as a uh, template for my master's thesis down at um, Matthew Fox's Institute for Culture and Creation Spirituality, where I got my master's degree. Um, so, so it was Sarah who um, was dying, and the article started with me talking about my. Uh, experience as a child where I, I grew up with a lot of fear around death and I think many of us do because I did. we are so we, yeah, we're so cut off from death you know I think we in our culture in the last hundred years we've come to think that you know children should be kept away from those things and that it actually helps them but in fact it creates it creates fear and it creates um, because we're always afraid of the unknown. We don't. What we because do we're always afraid of the unknown. I so agree with you. Yeah. So that's um, that's where I start the article. I talk about my first experience of death as a child, and I think I was five or six when I first became aware that um, death happens, and it not only happens to people who are old, but it can happen to children and someone like me. You know, that was when it sort of came crashing in. And but it wasn't until um, Sarah uh, was diagnosed with cancer, and you know she fought it in her own way for a good three or four years. But I got a call from her, including beating the odds of what doctors gave her to live. Yes, she lived much longer than that. But because they gave her what three to six months, three to six months, and I think she lived four years beyond that. So Mm -hmm. that was pretty remarkable in itself and we as a Gaia community have supported her done a lot of healing ceremonies but when it came time for her death she had set up a home death experience not only just the hospice part but she wanted to she wanted to stay and lie in vigil in her home after she died and I had never heard of this before and actually didn't know that she'd set it up until I sort of you know she called me in to to help facilitate the the uh, memorial service, so I ended up being there the night before she died and um, drumming and chanting and supporting her, and that was where, in the article, the connection between the kind of 
uh, support that I gave her as she went through the three-day ritual of you know going into the underworld, it was so similar. There I was singing the same chants and drumming and feeling like now, you know, I've, I've supported her in that way, in a metaphorical way, and now here I was supporting her through her actual physical death, and it didn't seem all that different to me. It, sent, it, it felt very similar. Um, in what so respect, Marilyn? Well, just on the inner level, you know, as I was drumming and chanting, I felt she was in a, a coma at that point, um, mm-hmm. pretty comatose. It was right before, the night before she died. Um, she was in her living room, you know, they had her on, um, hooked up to IV and stuff, but um, she was in the process of dying. And so as I chanted and drummed, I mean, I had a lot of sadness, but as I was drumming and chanting, I felt connected to her. And um, it just took spiritually, me you felt connected yeah, to her. Spiritually, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. spiritually connected, and remembered um, how you know that that this was not unfamiliar territory to either of us because of that ritual experience that we'd had eight or nine years before. So, and then I ended up um, as my work allowed. I came back the next day about noon, and uh, Sarah had just died, and so I ended up being there right at the time when. Um, Another woman from our Gaia program was there caring for her who was a nurse, and she said, the family was gone, I'm not sure where they were, but she said, will you help me um, wash her body and dress her and, you know, hold sacred sacred space while we do this? And I said, of course. So there I was, you know, the first time I'd been exposed to someone who was dead, but it was um, because it was such a, first of all, so similar to the kind of ceremonial work that, um, I'd been doing, and um, and knowing and loving Sarah. I mean, it just it was so poignant, and and I realized there's nothing to be afraid of. This is a normal part of the life cycle. It's just that I and how sacred is this? I mean, Marilyn, this is so sacred. I mean, this goes way back. I mean, you know, this is this goes back biblical to to honor the actual physical body and to wash it and to you know lovingly um, be there in that presence is just a, a sacred sacred time it is for for family gift. and for yourself i would think yes and i really recommend that you know what what we talk about as death midwives is that we try to help people walk through that doorway of fear around death and if they can do that they find on the other side that it's not as scary as they think and it actually being able to um honor a person in this way and um set the you know have them lying in state and creating a sacred uh ceremonial sort of atmosphere in the home and having you know from one to three days for the person and the family to really have that time to honor them and to say goodbye is really so helpful in the grieving process. It, um, I agree it really because how many times, even my own mother passed away a couple of years ago, and oh. uh, uh, we didn't get to do sacred ceremonial with her. Uh, but I got to do my own personal sacred ceremony with her the day before mm-hmm. she passed. And I was the last family member to actually speak to her. And I remember asking her, because she knew she was dying, and I knew she was dying. She knew that this mm-hmm. was her time to leave. And she wanted me to be very, very clear that she wasn't afraid, mm-hmm. and that it was okay, and that she was ready to go. 
And I said to her, Mom, could you do something, one last thing for me, if it's possible? And she said, Don Marie, what is it? And I said, could you let me know that you get there okay? Mm-hmm. Just send me a sign, Mom. Mm-hmm. And three days after her parting, I had the most miraculous sign. And I just went, thank you, Mom. I knew she had mm-hmm. made it okay. Mm-hmm. There is a passage that we do go through. And had I had had the opportunity to be able to do a sacred ceremony for my mother, mm-hmm. Marilyn, you would have been there. <laughs> it's it's not well, something that I feel I could lead, but it's something that I would very much want to participate within because all of my yeah. family members, their one sadness was, I wish I could have said goodbye. I wish I could have seen her one more time. And, mm-hmm. and they didn't get to because she was whisked away. Right. I think that's, the, that's what is so sad is that people don't even know that this is an option, and that's really why I'm doing radio interviews and, and educational programs about this because it, it really is re-educating people as, um, you know this is something that we always did you know really only three or four generations ago people always cared for their own dead in their home I mean the vernacular the language that's come out of in the, the whole notion of funeral parlor came from the fact that homes used to have a parlor where the dead were laid out and they would have the living room where the living would be during a wake so you recognize, you know, that language. Um, and right. it's really just about the turn of the century and Civil War time, well, Civil War before that, but um, embalming really came into the picture during the Civil War when young men were dying, you know, far away and their families wanted their bodies brought back and they created embalming as a way of preserving the body so that they could be shipped. And then uh, that just became a part of what as um, became a business and and these um, undertakers undertook this work on the family's behalf. It just began to become a business and embalming became a natural part of that. Um, But embalming is actually not necessary. It doesn't really have anything to do with... um, protecting the um, the populace from anything. It's it's more about... No, I believe it's only required if you're going to ship the body. It is not actually a law. Is that correct? Right. That's correct. The only, I should say there are um, different laws for, for each state um, in the United States, and but it's true that in most states um, it is legal to care for your own dead. In Washington State, um, what they require is t- refrigeration after 24 hours, and that can be taken care of. And wh- what I do as a home, uh, as a death midwife, is bring in dry ice to place under the torso of the person who's died, and that basically freezes the the organs so that you don't have the problem of you know the body breaking down too quickly. Mm-hmm. So embalming is not necessary and it's not um, required by law. So if someone was if someone was going to use your services or wanted to look into this, to you mm-hmm. know, because uh, many people, I think, if they had their choice, Marilyn, I think they would choose to 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 pass at home. I mean, well, many yes, people. I think the fact. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that. Um, that hospice, you know, has has been bringing people home. Hospice has been such a it's wonderful program. It's paved the way, yeah. Many people are dying at home when they can, 
And what mm-hmm. um, death midwifery or home funerals do is they sort of pick up where hospice leaves off because often these days, you know, once a person dies, hospice calls the, the funeral home or the mortuary and they come and take the you know body away right away. And what a home funeral guide can do is empower the family to know you know, what is needed on a legal, um, you know, filling out the legal paperwork, uh, um, death certificate, and, you know, how to fill that out and how, to, where to take it, and um, how to, if they, if they don't feel comfortable washing the body by themselves, the, you know, I as a deaf midwife come in and help do that, or I do it if they don't want to do it all. Um, so it, it really is, we come in sort of at that point, and it's very, very helpful to have hospice involved if you're planning a home funeral. So we really work hand-in-hand with the hospice workers. Um, okay, we're going to talk more about this, because I think this is really, really informative for people to know and to, so. to have uh, for freedom of choice within their lives. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to the Dr. Pat Show. I'm Don Marie, uh, guest host for Dr. Pat tonight, and we're on with Marilyn Strong, and we will be back in just a quick moment after this break. Hi, I'm Paul McCormick. Are you concerned about your money and your future? We are entering an economic crisis like never before. If you're counting on the system to take care of you, you will lose, and I don't want that to happen. Here's what I can offer. I'll give you absolutely free my 6-CD series on how to take control of your own money. All you have to do is go to my website, formulaformillionaires.com, or go to any bookstore this month and buy my book titled Secrets of the Millionaire Inside. You want to help people, and you know that the angels can help. You understand that as each person heals, our world takes a step towards peace. Become a certified angelic life coach and learn how to guide others in their healing with help from the angels. AngelsTeach.com offers a comprehensive six-month teleclass training program that can launch you into a career with angels right from your home. For more information or to register, visit AngelsTeach.com. Be the first to join your favorite Hay House authors on the next I Can Do It at Sea. Come aboard a luxurious cruise ship and meet Greg Braden, Brian Weiss, Sonia Choquette, and many more. The seven-night cruise to Alaska on July 11th through 18th, 2009 includes soul-nourishing workshops, spiritual cinema movies in your cabin, autograph sessions, and amazing ports of call. This is a vacation you'll never forget. Cabins are limited. Reserve today. HayHouse.com. Are you going through a divorce? A 24-7 resource center called FreshStartAfterDivorce.com has been created to support you during and after divorce. It's packed with resources, articles, and tips from experts nationwide. As a business personal coach who specializes in divorce and founder of the National Association of Divorce for Women and Children, Joni Winberg's mission is to provide the support and encouragement you need to move your life forward. You don't have to face this challenging time alone. Go to FreshStartAfterDivorce.com. MBSConnect.com, Mind Body Soul Connect, is an innovative and interactive wellness resource company. The mission of MBS Connect is to help America be well by providing easy access to progressive programs, products, and providers. MBS Connect is building networks of wellness providers nationwide using all types of modalities who want to be part of the wellness revolution. To find a provider in your area, call 888 398 9287 or visit mbsconnect.com. 
Most of mankind's diseases are part of history, but few realize it at this time. A simple, inexpensive mineral supplement has the potential to change your life and your health. Go to thedrpatshow.com and listen to the interview with Jim Humble and Dennis Richard and learn the secrets of why your health is your choice. MMS, the miracle mineral supplement of the 21st century, can be purchased at mmsdr.com or call 760-536-6123. That's mmsdr.com. And welcome back to the Dr. Pat, Pat Show. I'm Don Marie. I'm the guest host for Dr. Pat tonight, and uh, we're on with Marilyn Strong. So, Marilyn, we were talking just before we went to break. We were talking about some of the processes, um, and I think to, to, to help our listeners, Maybe you can give us an example or a story because I know you do this. Uh, I don't think you just do it in the state. I think you do it all over. Do you not? Well, I've only done it in Washington. I certainly could travel, um, mm-hmm. but it is important to know, you know, whatever state you're in, what the laws are. And I do have a wonderful resource um, about that that I wanted to share with the audience. Um, it's called Caring for the Dead, Your Final Act okay. of Love. By Lisa Carlson, um, it's a complete. By Lisa Carlson. Lisa Carlson, and she's on. Um, you can get this online or get her information online. Um, but she's she's someone who has gone through um, and put together the laws in each state, so you can just go to your state and see what what's required. Um, and I know that. And you can go into the web and just go caring for the dead. Um, to get the to get, I don't think her book is online, but you can get it online. Yes, if you if you Google mm-hmm. her, Lisa Carlson, okay. caring for the dead, your final act of love. Um, right. But yes, I'm certainly willing to travel. At this point in time, I've only been doing it in Washington State in the Seattle area. But I could talk a little bit more, um, sort of. Um, well, what it's like to set up a home funeral, if you want, sort of walk through. Yeah, I think that would help me, and I think it would help listeners, too, because I think getting a visual, you know, my loved one has just passed away, and, and the usual practice that we're conditioned um, to do is to call 911 or the mortuary. Yeah. Well, yes. Um, that's why it's important. Um, usually, if someone's dying at home, hospice is involved. So you have a hospice social worker and a hospice nurse that is the person that you call once the person dies and that person Mm -hmm. then reports it to the medical examiner or the coroner of the county that they're in. So Mm -hmm. at that point um, is when, but but really I want to back up a little ways and hopefully if there's time, um, it's always good to bring the death midwife, the, the home funeral guide in before the person dies so that you can have some conversation about what the person would like in terms of mm-hmm. um, sacred, you know, how to create the sacred space, what their um, desires are, what their beliefs are a little bit, and really um, get the whole family on board. Even if the person sure. is, is comatose or whatever, you can meet with the family prior to the person dying. But there, of course, are always times when the deaf midwife is called after the death. Um, but I just want now, to say, do you leave the time frame for the ceremony up to the family then, so it can run legally? I believe three days is the limit. 
Well, so if, if the family would like to have a sacred ceremony and have her there for another 24 hours, you leave that time frame up to the family? Yes. Um, it, basically, we say one to three days because many faith traditions believe that it takes up to three days for the soul to completely leave the body. And so we're going on that. But sometimes it's longer depending upon, you know, when the death happens. The one that I just did recently um, was a four-day vigil because of uh, she, she died on Thursday evening and we couldn't get... Um, the cremation lined up until Tuesday morning, or I guess it was Monday afternoon. So it ended up, ended up being longer. But it really is up to the family. What a home funeral guide does is um, come in and try to uh, facilitate a process that the family wants. It's not that we come in and do everything. We try mm-hmm. to get the family as involved as they want to to get. So, yeah, determining how long they're going to be uh, lying in state. I mean, if the person is at that initial meeting, they'll have a sense. The one that I recently did, uh, the woman was a Hindu, a Buddhist, and definitely wanted three days at minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, Now, that's I just want our about. listeners to know as well, uh, Marilyn, you, you are also an ordained minister, so I just yes, want our listeners to know that. So you you customize their their ceremony around their needs. Yes, and I you know the ceremony ceremony part of this. Um, I mean, if it's a three day long vigil, it's not necessarily all done in ceremony. But you what you do is mm-hmm. you create. You come in, you clear out. If a person has died, you want to come in and clear out all. Um, the signs of the illness, you know, take away the medication and, you know, all of the stuff that's there and initially wash the body and mm-hmm. dress the person in whatever um, they are wanting to be, um, you know, whatever clothing that they have chosen or the family chooses for them so that you and then you sort of, you know, create through um, candles and um, incense or sage or whatever, you clear the old energy out, bring in some, you know, new, and just create a sacred environment. However, now you that, also do do chanting as well. I do, but not necessarily. You know, every family is going to want me to <laughs> to chant because they I, they may not even know that about me. You know, I right? And I years. think people have a misconception of what chanting is because chanting is like psalms in the Bible. It is. It's like singing a psalm. It's like singing a prayer, and mm-hmm. it's an old, old, ancient practice that that goes, you know, back to the beginning of time with the goddess. So, uh, it it's, I think it's, it's one of the highest, uh, most respectful um, gifts we we can do in honor of a spirit leaving the earth. Mm. Well, I think so. I realize means- people don't understand what it is. But it, it would be like often. How many times have you gone to a, to a memorial service and you hear people singing? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, I think I do provide. Um, I do sing, and you know, it's one of the gifts that I have. And so I do provide music and vigiling at the bedside um, when that's required or asked of me. But I, I don't necessarily mm-hmm. always do that. It really, you know, I have 12 years as an adoption social worker. Um, so as a social worker, my experience has been you come in and you work with the family and you meet them where they're at. And some of them are going to be, you know, wanting the kinds of um, expressions. More traditional. Bringing, 
Yes, and others might be more traditional, exactly. So mm-hmm. um, I don't necessarily want to put, push my spiritual beliefs on them, but try to help them create an environment that will feel comfortable to them because that's really the whole uh, point in having a home funeral is that you are in the you know the privacy of your own home. You're able to deal with this difficult death, but you don't have to be outside of the home. You can do it right at home and... Uh, with the family involved, one of the things that we do is help the family um, choose, you know, uh, either um, a box or a um, coffin. It could be a plain pine box or a cardboard coffin that they could work on decorating. And that's one of the beauties of home funerals is that it allows enough time so that the family can be thinking about how they might want to decorate. Um, they have these wonderful cardboard caskets. They're the same size as the casket, but they're, um, you know, this is especially for people who want to be cremated so that you can paint on them, you can put pictures, you can write. It really is an opportunity for the family to turn their grief into creativity in a way. In a way, it's like art therapy, and they're they're Mm -hmm. creating this wonderful, I like the image of a boat, you know, sort of creating a boat that they're going to be sending their loved one off in. Um, and it's really mm-hmm. quite healing. Um, so that's one of the things that we do. There are wonderful resources now um, that are eco-friendly, um, you know, the, the plain pine box or the woman that I just um, worked with last fall. Her husband chose a silk, a raw silk shroud. It was a beautiful beautiful shrouds so that we, you know, that was really all we, we didn't have to create a lot of, put a lot of, you know, beautiful um, scarves around. We just used that shroud. It was, it was sort of a um, chartreuse, I guess, the color. And um, it was so beautiful. And she she was just so lovely with, you know, that shroud sort of under her. And then when the time came to, after the three-day vigil, we wrapped her up in it and then put her in a, in a, box that we had also covered with silk, raw silk, and then she was taken to cremation. Um, but again, it's really helping family do what feels comfortable to them. And so each home funeral is very different, as you can imagine, as different as people and families are different. Absolutely, um, yeah. So you might have, you know, we might be setting up something like... Um, music in the background that's like uh, spirituals or, you know, whatever, um, whatever kind of music the person liked. Um, in my experience with Sarah, my first experience was she loved the goddess chants and drumming so much that it was appropriate that we would do that at her, you know, death and at her um, vigil and at her memorial. And, you know, as I was going through your website and I was... It's a it's a beautiful story, Marilyn. I want to tell you, I, it, it totally mm-hmm. captivated me, and I love I love that you have the chants listed out. Mm-hmm. I think you have like three different chants mm-hmm. listed, but the first one I believe was an Iana chant. Yes, the Iana chant. Um, would you like me to sing that for you? I would love it if you sang that. Okay. It's it's about the myth, the Inanna myth, that, you know, the Inanna going to the underworld and reconnecting with her dark sister, Erish Kegel. And this was the chant that I was singing for Sarah the night before she died. So I'll just uh, launch into it. I won't go too long. One thing about chanting is that it is a repetition of simple phrases and melodies such that you can 
hopefully let go of um, the left brain and go into the right brain and sort of the you know the, the right brain side of ourselves that feeling of connectedness and spirituality. So I'll just launch into it. I am your child, oh ancient mother, I am your child, oh mother of the world, I am your child, oh ancient mother, I am your child, oh mother of the world, oh inanna, oh inanna, oh inanna. It gives me chills. <laughs> Thank you, Marilyn. Oh, my gosh. That was beautiful. You have a beautiful, beautiful voice. Is Are your chants on your CD songs for Sophia as well? or? Yes. Um, about half of them or three-quarters of them are mine, and others are, are chants that I've picked up along the way. That, in particular, is not my chant. I'm not even sure. You know, you, you pick them up. It's been years. I don't even know who wrote that. It's possible... Um, I can't even think of a name. It might come to me, but that's not one of mine. So how would yeah. how would listeners get your your CD? Would they just well, is it, can we go through me. through Amazon through Marilyn Strong or just through uh, your yeah, website? Contact me directly through through my website handsofalchemy.com, and just um, there's a link um, on the page that talks about the CD, and they could just contact me, and I'll send it to them. So yeah. Um, that was really beautiful. The, the CD was really created to help um, people who wanted to learn these kinds of chants to have the melody. Because I was teaching them a lot, and but it's it's hard. You get the words down, but then how how can people remember the melody? So it was really created as a teaching tool. But I think it's also you can use it to create a ceremonial space. You know, using it in the background if you'd like. So let me ask you this. I mean, because we're ta- we're talking about, you know, midwifery, you know, death midwifery, and, and you assist people, you know, in helping their loved ones cross once the actual death has taken place. Yeah. Um, how how important do you think this is for for how 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 do you think Americans important for them on their conscious level to engage this? Do you think that well, that we're just a little stuck there? <laughs> I mean, I, I say that, you know, because I, I know personally in my own life, I think, you know, having gone through, you know, the death of my, my father at a very young age and, you know, experiencing death, I was fearful that, you know, actually when I became 42 years of age, I was pretty darn sure that I was going to die because he died mm-hmm. at 42 years of age. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yeah. we get these little idiosyncrasies stuck in our head, and we're not real conscious that, you know, it is actually as, it is actually as a beautiful as experience 
as it is birthing. <laughs> That's right. Well, and, and, we, and we celebrate the first breath, but we don't celebrate the last breath. <laughs> right. And I think that is um, one of the things that is so important to, to, for our culture to turn into death is to learn that it is the same doorway that opens. Um, and that we are, as we die, you know, there's there's sadness because we're losing that person. But if we can focus on the fact that there's also a birth happening on the other side, you know, that somewhere they are they are going on on the next phase of their journey. I mean, this takes a certain level of spiritual faith, I guess. But I think anyone who has experienced a death. Um, can attest to the fact that it is a very spiritual experience. Something happens in that doorway. And that's why I really feel I talk about my, my experience with Sarah's death as being, is actually the doorway that opened that I think impacted me so, so strongly. Um, that there's, tr- it's transformative just being in the presence of someone who's being born or who's dying. So people who've been at a birth certainly understand that. And the, being at a at a death is the very same kind of energy. And I would I agree because in my lifetime I've been blessed to have both of those experiences. I've had yes, two near well, death experiences, and I've also had many rebirth experiences. Mm-hmm. And oh, wonderful! I can I, I often for a long time I will tell you, Marilyn, I couldn't speak of the near death experiences that I had and where I went. And I couldn't mm-hmm. speak of them because it was a language I could not articulate. Mm-hmm. I did not yeah. know how to express where I went or what profoundly happened to me and not feel like somebody was going to think I was crazy. But what yeah. I will tell you is that it was divine. Hmm. It was completely and utterly divine, and it helped me to grow within my life. And uh, I, I, I have imagine. no fear of death. Yeah, I, I love it because I think I die every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that, that day's gone, and now it's a new day. <laughs> yeah, and your initial question was, you know, about do, you, do I think it's important for our culture? And I think, yes, very important. I mean, doing the the... Gaia work that we did with women and taking them into the underworld and then later on I've worked the last, well, really 20 years with my husband who's somebody who really um, went through a metaphorical death in a very conscious way. Um, just, he was an artist who destroyed all of his work, gave everything he owned away and just lived by faith for many, many years before. I yes, he went through 15 days of hunger and then depended on on God to create him, give him food for the next 15 days, did he not? Yes, um, and his story is on our, our website as well. But we, we've done a lot of work with people in, in focusing on the, the letting go process and the metaphorical death process, that there really is a gift in that, that, that if we can let go um, in, when we're being asked to, when things are being taken away from us. I think especially right now as the economy is diving and our culture is going through such transformation, um, the the way of of empowerment is to walk through those experiences, trusting the process, not trying to hold on to what was, but trusting that something new is going to be reborn. And so, if we can do that in our personal lives, um, both metaphorically and literally, I think we'll be helping the culture at large do the same thing. So that's why I think it is very important. Um, that we engage death, and we live in a very death-averse society. <laughs> I mean, I think 
every culture around the world does home funerals, still does home funerals in the way that we used to 100 years ago. It's really only American culture that has sort of handed it over to professionals and taken it away. And um, this movement, I really think this is a movement, the home funeral movement is very much akin to the home birth movement that happened in the 60s where people were saying, you know, let's bring, let's have our babies at home and get it out of the sort of um, medical model. You know, it doesn't have to be... Sterile environment. Right, exactly. The same thing is happening with death and I think um, that, you know, I really do, this may seem very strange, people have never heard of this before, but I think it's just coming in and will become what a lot of people will choose to do. Not necessarily everyone will choose this, but I think the important thing is that people know that it is an option, that it is legal in most states in our country. And um, if they take away nothing else, that's what I would like. Um, So just for them to educate themselves about what what their laws are in their own state and for them to think about what they would want for their own death um, or the death of their loved one, to think about it ahead of time, to make plans for it, because it, it will come, you know, eventually, as much as we want to think it might not. <laughs> um, I, I agree. And, yeah. and I think that, I think that uh, you're just a, a gift that's been given to us. Um, well, Marilyn, just this, this, is, this would provide a blessing for many, many people, and I truly think that that this is a gift uh, to be able to have this as an alternative um, for our own freedom of choice. I truly, truly believe that. I think this is a wonderful, well, wonderful, wonderful thing that you are providing here, and thank you. I hope it, it becomes like- immensely popular. Well, we'll see, but it feels like a calling, and it feels like important work, and so we'll just we'll see what happens. But it's so wonderful to be asked to be on shows like this, you know, to get the word out, and um, I just feel very privileged that um, that I've been asked to be on the show. So, um, well, like I, I said in the beginning, I think you're truly a priestess, and I want to encourage listeners because you're not you don't just assist. In, in death wifery, you, wifery or midwifery, you also assist uh, and provide beautiful um, weddings and ceremonies. And yeah. on your property, you have what's called the tower. And I really want to encourage uh, uh-huh. the listeners to, again, go to thehandsofalchemy.com. And they can also see more about what you and Jerry are doing as far as in your personal life and the films that have been involved in your growth and how you touch many, many people in your mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the I love the tower. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and, and what is it, the the flaming stupa? <laughs> <laughs> That's its nickname, the flaming stupa. It was given that by some monks, some Tibetan monks that were here on the island and came um, to visit and actually did a 45-minute blessing of it. It was quite wonderful. There were and, this, and they can see this all from your video. They have, yeah. You have uh, three series videos, which I've watched just about all three of them. I had to cut off the last one, but I was really getting into them. Because <laughs> yeah, even Jerry, his whole story is on there, and you, the two of you do profound work together. Yeah. And I, I really want to encourage our listeners to, uh, again, handsofalchemy.com, uh, read about what Marilyn Strong is doing, look and see what her and her husband, Jerry Winstrom, are doing, uh, because you're really quite vast. 
you, thank you. You really are a priestess. You, you really are a ceremonialist. And no, I think, that, I think that ceremonies really pave a really good foundation for, for loved ones that are starting again and for loved ones who are leaving the earth. Mm, well, thank you. It's, it's a privilege to, to do this work. And, yeah, if anyone wants to come out and see our tower, we have a, a wonderful meditation tower um, that my husband built for me as a wedding gift, and it's very sweet. It's 40 feet people. tall, is it not? Yes. It, it's very small. <laughs> it's only, what is it, Jerry, like seven by seven square feet or something. But um, it's really sweet and really wonderful. And people do come out you know, often to just come and use it, and we welcome people to do that and come visit us. So It's a sacred that. spot, and it looks like it's <laughs> surrounded by just beautiful sacred land. And uh, it's certainly a place I would want to venture to, uh, even to just sit and have some moments with myself. It just looks like it's a beautiful, sacred spot. And this was your wedding gift? Yes, it was, back in 95. I think you finished it right before, or right after our wedding, one or the other. I can't remember. It's truly a beautiful monument. (laughs) What a great gift. And I want to thank you for being on today, Marilyn. I'm sorry Dr. Pat wasn't here, but I've really enjoyed. You've educated me. I truly believe we've educated uh, Dr. Pat's listeners tonight. And if you'd like to know more, whether you're planning a beautiful ceremony within your life in whatever regard, I really believe Marilyn Strong is the high priestess that can bring this together. You have, there's a lot to you, and I urge uh, listeners once again to go and check out her website of handsofalchemy.com. That's handsofalchemy, all one word, dot com. And look for her CD, Songs of Sophia. Um, and I want to thank you again, Marilyn. Thank you so much. Thank you, Don Marie. It's been wonderful to talk with you. Thank you. And I look forward to seeing more work from you and, and, and sending people your way in the future. And uh, you've, been, you've been just wonderful. Thank you for sharing, sharing your gracious work with us. You're very welcome. Thank you very much, and thanks to your listeners. And you've been listening to the Dr. Pat Show tonight, and I have been Dr. Pat's guest host. My name is Don Marie. I am the guest host on Dr. Pat team. It's a new day, and God bless everybody this week. Oh
Cloud 